All right, let's begin with this question here this morning. What does Jesus say is the greatest commandment? And our answer is you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Okay, we got it. Second question as we begin. What does Jesus say is the second greatest commandment? You shall love your Yes, your neighbor as yourself. And so right from the beginning, I want you to see this morning how simple, how simple following Jesus is. In fact, the Christian life couldn't be more simple. And when pressed to sum up the entire law, all of the commandments in this entire book by the Pharisees, this is what Jesus tells us to do. He tells us to love your God and love your neighbor. In fact, the great theologian Garth Brooks says it this way in a song, you may have heard it, called People Loving People, that goes like this. Doctor, you ain't got a pill for whatever's making this world ill. You can't get forgiveness at the store and peace. It's a politician's war. You, want, you won't find no resolution in the bottom of a bottle, in the stars of Aristotle. The only answer to the problem, and you can probably sing it with me, is people loving people. He says, that's the enemy of everything that's evil. Ain't no quick fix at the end of a needle. Got a little dark there for a second. He says, it's just people loving people. And, and here's what I know to be true. You see this everywhere. Even all of the world's antidotes, all over culture, all, for all the problems in the world is reflective of the message of Christianity that Jesus also has for us, that he has for you and me. So the question is simple that everyone is asking all over the place. How do we live a good life? How do we live the good life? And what Jesus says is so simple. It's loving God and loving your neighbor. And as theologian Garth says, it's people loving people. And I don't know about you, but I feel like there has been uh, a lot of the opposite happening in our world as of late. And if you're honest with yourself, you, you would probably also say that maybe even inside the church or maybe inside uh, or, or even with Christians, even those who claim to follow the message of Jesus are not always practicing this message as we should practice it. This key central message of Jesus, loving God and loving people. We just came out of an incredibly intense cultural, uh, or excuse me, political season. We have cultural tension surrounding everything under the sun right now. You say one thing and you get canceled. You disagree with someone on a minor issue, you get canceled. You can't even read Dr. Seuss books anymore. R.I.P. Green Eggs and Ham, stupid book anyway. But the point is, how in the world did we get so soft? How in the world, even in the church, Christians, how did we get so soft? Listen, the other day I was driving home and I was on this little back country road and I was turning left and there was a vehicle about 100 yards in front of me. And so I, I, was, I was slowly kind of taking my time, turning left. And, uh, and, and for some reason, the person driving this vehicle started to speed up. And then I noticed that, that maybe they just sped up to point at me and make a mean face. Uh, but, but the person was pointing at me and kind of making a mean face. And then I found myself kind of pointing back at this person. And all of a sudden on this little country road, we were reacting. Uh, this amazing Spider-Man meme, just kind of pointing at one another. This 
Spider-Men here, or Spider-Mans, however you would say that. But, but here, here's the point, right? The, the, the point and what I know to be true is that life is hard. We do a lot of stupid things sometimes. We say a lot of silly and dumb things. And sometimes you and I deserve to be canceled. Sometimes even life throws curveballs at us that we're not ready for out of left field. We weren't expecting and life gets even harder. But I want you to see this morning what we're gonna see in our text from 1 John chapter three this morning is that God has given us a pretty solid recipe for joyful, purposeful, and even meaningful living. And it's, in, it's really not that hard. It's the apex of the Christian life, and it's exactly what we are going to see in our text this morning. And you guessed it, it is what we've said already four times. If you're counting, loving God and loving, loving people. So we've been studying First John and seeing what John calls these evidences of one's faith or evidences of one's salvation all over this book. And what John is, is going to show us this morning is that if we are truly in Christ, here's what I mean by that, if we're truly saved, if, we're truly, uh, ha- if we truly have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, if we are truly then abiding in Jesus, then we are going to find ourselves caring for, serving, and yes, even loving our neighbors. And not just others, but also each other, our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. And here's the kicker, in every space of our life, in every space of our life, at work, loving others, at home, loving others, in our marriage, loving our spouse, in our parenting, loving our children, to our neighbors, loving them, even sitting in traffic, loving people on social media, man, that's a big one, loving people. And even, see this, lean into this, even to those who might not agree with you or see the world as you see it. In fact, what John is going to show us this morning is that our love for for God is in one way proven in how we love people. And then also how we love people is the proof and the evidence of our faith in God. It's reciprocal. Maybe we could see it this way. As we love God, it's gonna birth in us a desire to what? To love others. And then what John is saying all throughout 1 John is that you have evidences of your faith, that you're truly a believer in Jesus. And this love for others, as it's displayed in the works of your hands and what you do, is going to then prove your faith in God. And it's a cycle and it happens over and over and over again. And, and maybe we could sum it up with this big idea, is that loved people love people. Loved people love people. Who is the loved person? You, the believer in Jesus, the follower of Jesus, fellow Christians in the room, you are deeply loved. I mean, do you, do you believe that this morning? You are deeply loved by the Father. He loves you so much that he sent his son Jesus to die for you and me. It's amazing news, isn't it? That you're deeply loved by the Father. Who are the people we need to love? Everyone else. Everyone else, including each other. So let's see what John has in store for us 
in chapter three. We're gonna read verses 11 through 24, and we'll see what he says about all of this. We'll read it on the screen together. He says, for this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but how? In deed and in truth. By this, we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whenever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. And this is the commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. And, one more time, love one another, just as he has commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this, we know that he abides in us and by the spirit whom he has given to us. And so I wanna give you three primary things this morning that we can draw out of this passage as it relates to loving one another. And do you remember our, our big idea this morning? Loved people, love people. Well, here's the first way that loved people love people. We're gonna see in this text is that loved people love people with their time. Let's look at what John says in verses 11 through 16. What does he say in verse 11? For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning that we should what? Love one another. Notice what he doesn't say here. This is, this is a hard stop, a period. He doesn't say you should love one another if, right, if you agree on everything in the world. He doesn't say you should love one another if you have never said anything hurtful to that person. That person has never said anything hurtful back to you. He doesn't say that you should love one another if, right, you only go to the same church, uh, only believe the same things, and are only in each other's homeschool groups. No, he says love one another, period. Hard stop. And then he gives us a comparison and contrast lesson, which I love here, of how Cain treated his brother and then how we should treat one another. What does he say? He says, he says we should not be like Cain and murder people. All right, thanks John, got it. Let's write that down. Do not murder people. But here's the thing, John flips the script for us here. Instead of saying, good job, Greg, you didn't murder anyone today. I want you to lean in on this. Uh, John goes further and he says, it's not about 
not murdering people. It's actually the opposite of that. It's actually about you, a fellow believer in Christ, someone who has the Holy Spirit dwelling in you, someone who confesses to follow Jesus, someone who believes in Jesus. It's actually the opposite of that. When you are in Christ, it's actually about you laying down your own life for others. That's what it's about. Isn't isn't it amazing how Jesus kind of comes on the scene and heightens stuff? in our life? And let me explain it this way from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. In the Old Testament, and under the Old Testament law, murdered was considered what? Considered murder. At the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says this. He says this in verse 17. He says, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to what? Fulfill them. And then in a couple verses later, When talking about hatred and murder, he says this in verses 21 through 22. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. And then Jesus does it again when talking about lust and adultery. A couple verses later, in verses 27 through 28, he says, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And you're like, okay, well, what's the point, Greg? What are you, what are you trying to say here? here? Here's the point. The standard of Jesus is greater than the standard of the law. And if we can illustrate it this way, when Jesus steps onto the scene, he, he raises the bar on everything. He, he creates a, a new standard. And, and, and the grace that is given to that standard becomes immeasurably more as well. Hatred becomes what? Murder. Lust becomes what? Adultery. But see this, and this is what we're pulling out of 1 John chapter 3, love becomes sacrifice. That is amazing. Love is not passive. Love is not just something that we, we do when we, as John says, don't murder people, right? He says, no, how you love people is actually sacrificing for them, laying your life down for them. Kind of your, it's, it's living with your head up and kind of on a swivel, like it's seeing the needs, meeting the needs, giving your time for the benefit of your brothers and sisters in Christ and giving your time to, for the benefit of building up the church. And then John gives us possibly the greatest verse, one of the greatest verses, it's hard to argue that. One of the greatest verses in all of the Bible in 1 John three sixteen says, by this we know love that who laid down his life for us. That Jesus laid down his life for us. So he gives us this great picture of what love is. He's saying, don't do these things, but love people. And here's how you love people. You give your life for them. You give your life to serve them. This is the beauty, friends, of the gospel. It is the, it is the apex, right, of the Christian message. It's not try harder, do better Christianity. It's not here's now an impossible standard to live up to. It's not even a list of do's and don'ts anymore. It's quite the opposite. The message of the gospel, friends, the message of the gospel is one that shows us that we can never live up to those standards, which is why Jesus came and died for us, which is why he came and and, and showed us what the opposite of hate is. He showed us what the opposite of murder is. He, He actually showed us and personified for us 
how we are supposed to love each other, which is through sacrifice and giving our lives for each other. That is countercultural Christianity. That, that is countercultural living. And it's living the good life as best as we have been created by God to live. It is the message of the gospel on full display that love people, love people with everything in them, with their time. We're carving it out. We're getting involved. And the second way that love people, love people is with our resources. The second way that love people, love people is with our resources. So let's look at verses 17 through 18 and we'll read them on the screen together. John says this, but if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but how? In deed and in truth, in deed and in truth. And so, so let's just pause just for a moment and talk about loving people as loved people with our resources. And do you remember the story of, of Boaz in the book of Ruth? Uh, let me remind you of the kind of man that Boaz was. The Bible calls Boaz a worthy man. And here's how it will define worthy man. Worthy man is a person of wisdom, wealth, and wherewithal. And so he was a, a businessman. He was a leader of people. Boaz owned property. He had employees. He built up wealth over time. In fact, he's a man of wisdom and that he knew the law and had the ability to apply it. He's a, he's a person of wealth, again, right? He owned land, ran his own business. He was good with money. And he was a person of wherewithal, meaning he could solve problems. His head was up and he was looking for, for ways to meet the needs of people, not just further his own agenda. He was making things happen for others in need. And here, here's how he did that in the story of Ruth. One of the parts of the story of Ruth and Boaz that I love is that when Ruth and Naomi, Ruth's mother-in-law, go back to Bethlehem, and if you remember the story, they happen upon, right, the field of Boaz. And here's what Boaz would do with his resources. He would leave the margins of his field for the poor to glean off of. In other words, he would literally leave the margins of his field for the marginalized. In other words, he was able to love people with his resources. He was able to love people with the margin he had within his resources. And he was able to love people with the capacity that he had within his resources as well. And so just by happenstance, right? Uh, Ruth and Naomi, they come upon the field belonging to Boaz and he was able to serve them with the margin that he had in his resources. Man, I want to love people like this. I don't know about you, but I want to love people like that. I, I, I want to be able to, to be that type of person, someone who loves people, not just with my time or lip service or with my words, but with the resources that God has given me to steward, even if it's a sacrifice, right? Recently, we bought a house in Maryville, and we've been super blessed by it. And it's more than we've ever had. We're so thankful uh, that the Lord has given that to us, the steward. Uh, this house is on a few acres, but what I loved about it when we, we bought it was it had an unfinished guest house on the property. And so over the last several months, we've been working hard to build out this guest house. 
and get it ready for people to stay there. And so when we first started working on it, Grace and I were high-fiving, we're excited. I'm like, yes, this, this could be passive income. Uh, this could be an income-producing asset. Maybe we could get some renters in there. Maybe we could Airbnb it. Maybe we could take the kids to Disney. I don't know. Uh, but as we got into the project, I just began to feel the Holy Spirit working on me and saying, nope. I don't know if you've ever heard the Holy Spirit say nope before, uh, but it happens to me literally all the time. <laughs> I had this idea for this thing, nope. Uh, thinking about trying this thing, nope. What about nope? And in that moment, I could feel it as we're working on the project and things are coming together. I could just feel the Holy Spirit going, nope, nope, nope. And I could hear him say clearly, this is going to be a ministry thing for you and Grace. You're gonna use this for ministry. And I was fighting it, man. I was fighting it. I, I, we began to sense as he was telling us to, to use it for transitional housing for people in need or maybe even respite for missionaries who are coming back from the field or we have relationships with church planters literally all over the country, kind of respite when we're, you know, we're so close to the Smoky Mountains, being able to use it open-handedly. And I'm arguing with God the entire time, right? Like, but passive income. He's like, nope. But Disney World, God, nope. And, and now we're asking the same question over and over again in the Gibson house. How can we use the resources that God has given us to steward, not own, but steward for his glory in the good of the church, the good of, of our brothers and sisters in Christ, as, as John says here in 1 John chapter three. And so, so my question for you, friends, is, is how is God stirring in your heart right now to do the same? How's he stirring in your heart to do the same? Because here is what I know to be true, because the Bible says it to be true, right here, is that loved people love people, with our resources. And then the third way that love people love people is with our confession. It's with our confession. And here's what I mean by this. When we stand firm on the gospel, right? When we stand firm on what we believe to be true, the things that we believe that the Bible teaches, the things that tell us this is what you have to believe to go to heaven, when we confess that to one another, when we are unwavering in our faith, in our confession that Jesus is, is not only the Lord over all of creation, the King over all of creation, the Lord and King over all the stuff that we have, all the things that we get to steward, our marriage, our resources, our, our children, and even the king over our own life and even the king over our hearts. It will give permission to others to do the same. It will. Look at verses 19 through, through 23. What does John say? He says, by this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. And look at verse 23. And this is the commandment that we believe in the name of, this, of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another. So there's confession and love 
married to one another, displayed in the works of our hands and in the words of our mouth, just as he has commanded us. Brothers and sisters, how encouraging is it when you are around fellow believers in Jesus? Who, who say the same things, who speak the same language, who have the same gospel aroma, gospel flavor to how we also live our lives. You're bonded in fellowship. You're working through things together. You're praying for one another because of the gospel, because of what Jesus has done for us, and because of these things that we confess to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. It's amazing. You can forgive one another when things don't go as planned. You can forgive that family member who's wronged you and hurt you because of what Jesus has done for you. You can forgive the friend who said that thing that they shouldn't have said on social media, we all know, and you can love them. It's amazing, is it not? When you are in a small group with people, who actually have your best interest in mind when you speak the same language together, this gospel language. Men, you, when, you, when you are in fellowship with other men you desire to be like and who make you love Jesus more, how amazing is that relationship to, to, that spurs you on to love your wife more and your children more by, as, as John says here, sacrificing for them. It's amazing. Ladies, same thing. How amazing is it to be around other women and other ladies who love you and spur you on and encourage you to love Jesus more in the things that God has called you to do. The desire to sin, to gossip, to slander, to compare ourselves with others, to covet what our neighbor has, jealousy, those things will always be there in our hearts because of sin, won't they? But if we are in Christ, Going back to that word, in Christ, if we are saved by Jesus, John says the evidences will be there that we will proactively and offensively be going to war on those things so that everything in our life can be healthier and holier. Everything, our families, our marriages, our children, our businesses, our teams that we lead, the relationships that we have, everything in that confession The name of the Lord Jesus Christ, out of that we love one another. And so every night, when we put our kids to bed, I say something like this to both of our kids. So so I've got young kids, and so it's we're still doing a lot of emphasis on bedtime. I got a seven-year-old and nine or nine-year-old at home. And uh and so I'll say something like this, you know, to Ivor. We'll use Ivor as an example. He's my my seven-year-old. Uh, the other night I was saying, Ivor, I love you. I'm so proud to be your daddy. I'm so honored that God chose me to be your daddy. And he's, he's over here going. And I'm like, Ivor, are you, even, are you listening to me? You know, because we say it all the time. Grace says it in the same way. So honored to be your mom. So, so glad that God chose me to be your mom. And we're constantly saying that. We're speaking those truths and those confessions in, into their life and in their heart. And, the other night I was sitting there and I was doing this like looking at everything and I'm like, man, are you, hey, hey, are you even listening to me? You, you, he's like, yeah, I'm listening. And I asked him, I was like, Ivor, do you ever get sick of, of me telling you those things? And he like just, I mean, it, in like a nanosecond, 
looked at me in the eyes and he's like, no way, no way. You can tell me those things all the time. You know, and I'm like, and, he, and then he says, and even when you're old and I'm old, you, you, can, you can still tell me those things, you know? And I'm like, all right, double fist pump. And then he says, he says, remember our deal, right? He, he says, uh, he, he said, even in heaven together, you can still tell me those things. And I said, I said, Ivor, uh, to go to heaven, you need to believe in Jesus. And he said, he said, daddy, I, I, I believe in Jesus. I can't wait to go to heaven one day. And this is, this is the deal that I mentioned a moment ago. And he was like, remember our deal? And I was like, yeah, what's our deal? And, and he said, remember, uh, when we're both in heaven, uh, we, we made a deal that we'll climb Mount Everest and jump off of it together because we're learning that you can't die in heaven right now. Uh, that's one thing. And we, and we make like weird little handshake deals in our house like that. But in that moment, in that moment, I could feel the Holy Spirit working again. And, and, and this time it wasn't a nope, you know, kind of stirring. It was a resounding yes kind of stirring. Because even a seven-year-old confessing his belief in Jesus made me love Jesus more in that moment. Even a seven-year-old made me realize that you can practice the commands of Jesus to love one another with your words and the confession that you have. And it made me want to love people more in that moment. It made me thankful for the death and the resurrection of Jesus. In that moment, it made me thankful for the grace and the mercy that you and I get every single day when we fail to love people. God is still there sending us grace through the work and the act of Jesus' death and resurrection for us. In that moment, it made me thankful for his confession and it made me thankful for your confession. As a church, that you believe that that Jesus is the Son of God, that you believe against all the cultural things that are coming your way in every medium possible, that you still stand firm on the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we stand firm together as a church and herald these things and confess these things to be true, all, all because he first loved us. And it made me in that moment love the simplicity, love the simplicity of the Christian message, love the simplicity of the apex of what Jesus is telling us to do, which is simply love the Father and then love people. That's it. It's so simple. And then also the Bible says that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, then we also will be saved. So, so here's my question, my last question for you today is where do you need to grow as a loved person who loves people? Where do you need to grow as a loved person who loves people? Is it with your time? Is it with your resources? Is it with your confession? None of us are 100% there. None of us are 100% there at loving people. Maybe you need to love people with your time and get off the bench, to use a sports analogy here, and get in the game. Start serving, get involved. This fall, we've been talking about it for a long time. This fall, we are launching Foothills Church Bearden in Knoxville. It is going to be amazing. 
It is going to be amazing as we step out in faith and say we've been making disciples in Blount County for more than 12 years and now we're going to do the same thing in Knoxville together. One church, two locations. I can't wait to see what God has in store for us. I can't wait. Get in the game. We have over 100 people ready right now, ready to launch Foothills Church Bearden. If, if you want more information, more information about that or just to talk with me about it. We dismiss after the service. I'm gonna be out in the atrium. Uh, come find me. Let's, let's talk about Foothills Church Bearden. We've been talking about ministry teams over the last several weeks here at Foothills Church. Ways to serve. You can be a part of different teams and different ways to serve. Um, the question is how can you use your time to love your church and to love one another? Maybe you need to love others more intentionally with your resources and loosen, begin just to loosen that grip a little bit on the things that you think that you've earned or that you own. Let me tell you, man, God owns it all. If God owns creation, the the Psalms say that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills, not just one hill. And God owns it all. And it all goes back to God at one, one day or another. So be sensitive. Be sensitive to when the Holy Spirit says, nope. (laughs) But also be sensitive to when the Holy Spirit says, yes. Give to that person. Give to that vision. Give to that work. Use your resources in that way. When you do this, I'm telling you, you will experience a joy that really is unspeakable. Or maybe for the first time in your life, you need to start at the beginning You need to start at the beginning this morning and place your faith. Confess for the first time that Jesus is Lord. Remember, following Jesus is very simple and becoming a follower of Jesus, the Bible says, is also very simple. Remember, again, the Bible says, confess with your words that Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. So maybe you just need to start there. Maybe you you came this morning and you didn't know what God was gonna do in your life, but you hear the Holy Spirit stirring and working in you and and you're kind of wiggling a little bit and you're ready, man. There's something happening in your life. And, and, And maybe that's the first step, which is also the next step. And if that's you, if you wanna learn what, what it means to follow Jesus and put your faith in him. We have volunteers stationed in what we call the care and prayer room. Again, right outside these doors. We would love to talk with you and walk with you and celebrate with you and, and, and help you begin that first step of believing in Jesus. And so loved people, love people. Church, with what? With our time, we're sacrificing. With our resources, we're open-handed, right? And with our confession, what we believe deeply in the spaces of our heart. So let's pray together. Let's get busy being people who love people. Father, we are so thankful for the grace of the gospel that we have, first of all, in and through Jesus. We're so thankful for it. We're thankful that that you as our Father love us. We're thankful that you as our Father care for us. Father, we're thankful that you as, as our heavenly father have, have provided a way to know you and not just a way to know you, but to live how you have created us to live and in, in this way, live a, a flourishing life. 
And so Father, I'm so thankful for, for the grace that you've given us when we fail you. I'm thankful for the mercy that comes up each day when the sun rises. And Father, I'm thankful for, for the, the callings that you've placed on each one of our lives, which is very simple, is to love you and to love others. And so I pray that we would be a, a church, an army in this part of the world that displays the greatness of the gospel right here in how we live and how we worship and what you've called us to do. And we pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Foothills Church. If you made a decision to follow Christ while listening today, or if you have some more questions about what that looks like, then let us know. You can text FC Decision to 97000, or you can head over to foothillschurch.com slash decision. We hope you have a great week.